Welcome to the Gentlemen for Liberty podcast, a place for stimulating conversation on the philosophy of liberty and natural law. We aim to promote individualism and self-ownership through productive discourse. With restoring liberty as our ultimate goal, here are your hosts, Derek Wills and John Galt. Good day, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Gentlemen for Liberty podcast. Uh, if this is your first time checking us out, welcome. You know, this is a, uh, this is a, a, I hate, I hate using this phrase, but uh, this is a safe space uh, where even those that might be politically or philosophically, you know, opposed to where we are, uh, you know, we encourage civil discourse here. So, so welcome. Thank you very much for checking us out. Um, alongside me, as always, is my partner in crime, as I like to refer to him, uh, is Mr. John Galt. Mr. Galt, how are you, sir? I'm well, sir. How are you? Oh, I'm I'm fantastic. I'm glad to hear that. You know, you always sound so warm and, and just so ecstatic every time. <laughs> well, happy to be here. <laughs> well, good. I'm glad to hear that. Um, we got a couple of interesting things that we're going to talk about today. Uh, but first, before we get into that, I want to thank all of our patrons. Um, if you are uh, able, we would love for you to consider uh, investing in Gentlemen for Liberty, investing in the podcast, investing in uh, the other products that we would like to to bring forth. You know, uh, we got Cody who's writing essays and things like that, and we'd also like to organize events and, and, and get-togethers, and, uh, you know, we it really would be an investment on your part, and we would truly appreciate it if you could. Uh, but I want to thank our current patrons. Uh, we have Justine, Roman, Nikki, and Ryan. Uh, they have all graciously uh, invested in our in our product, and, and we truly appreciate that. If you would like to consider becoming a patron and, and investing uh, your the fruits of your labor into us, that we can then turn that around into uh, to bear more fruit. Uh, give us a, you know check us out at Patreon.com/slash Gentlemen for Liberty. And, uh, you know, we would very much appreciate it. There's a whole list of, of perks for the different tiers and, and all that. And uh, we're going to be, you know, expanding on that as well, for sure. Uh, but thank you again to all those that currently invest. And thank you very much for those that are considering investing. Uh, or just thank you for just supporting the show and listening. We really appreciate that. Okay, John. So... It's election season. It's exhausting. It is. It is the world's worst reality TV show <laughs> that has ever been produced. I would I would agree with that, sir. Um, so there is this focus on voting, which, to be honest, it's great. I would encourage somebody. I would encourage plenty of people to get out there and vote. Uh, particularly, I would ask them to, uh, as I like to, to phrase it, strip the shackles of servitude to the duopoly and, you know, cast your vote for somebody who has earned it. Um, but then there seems to be this issue uh, with a lot of people. They have this mentality that, oh, if you, if you, if you didn't vote, you can't complain. And I find that egregious. Um, I haven't voted yet, and I'm 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 not going to vote. Um, 
John, uh, I, I don't know. Have you have you voted? Are you going to? Um, I have not voted, and I will not be voting. Okay. So let's let's explore this. Oh, the philosophy that, well, you, Mister Galt, since you are choosing to not vote and participate in the process, you therefore have no ground on which to uh, lay any grievances. What? How would you respond to to that? That's a great question. So what I would actually say about that is your consent in no way endorses my consent. Or lack thereof in this case. So, uh, yes. So whether or not I voted, it doesn't in any way invalidate my ability to have a perspective or view or opinion about world events surrounding me. And your consent as a as a voter, it it it, it it's it's meaningless actually in in the equation of me having uh, a say or not. If if you choose if you choose to support your enslaver, and you choose a master for yourself, that's perfectly acceptable, because that's a choice that you made. Saying that I should be subject to the will of my neighbors against my will and without my consent is a violation of my ability to be sovereign over myself. Why am I subject to the will of, of people I've never met and may never have had any consensual contact with or of any kind? Not to mention that if you did meet them, you know, they're putting on a persona. Everybody knows this, that you know, they're, they're going to treat you like the world's greatest salesman would treat you with genuine love and kindness and, you know, uh, shaking hands and kissing babies, that t- you know, sort of thing. Well, we have to put on a show. But right. I'm, I'm, not, I'm not even, I'm not talking about just a politician. I'm, I'm talking about when your neighbors, regardless of whether we're talking municipal, county, state, federal, support a organization or a group or an entity of some kind, that's acceptable for them to do that. Those are choices they're making. They're entitled to make their own choices. But that doesn't give, I'm not giving affirmative consent, whether or not I participate or not. I think that the 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 voter that would have that sort of mentality, though, would say that, look, you might not you know, overtly consent to what this person does or what that person does, but you're still going to be subject to it because the state, I mean, the state is God in their eyes. It will always exist, um, and it will have control over you that you will abide by uh, from a state of uh, distress. And because of that, they justify it as, if you don't pick your master, you are going to be subject to you could be subject to a worse master than a slightly better uh, master. It's, it's the lesser of two evils kind of talking point. And so their justification is that because you didn't help pick the slightly less bad master, you can't complain because you didn't even try. You know? Well, you're, you're right. I, I chose not to support evil. <laughs> ah, touche, uh, salesman. I, I, you're right. I, I chose not to knowingly support evil. We have to choose the lesser of two evils. 
Hmm. So you're conceding they're both evil, yet you're supporting evil knowingly. Your words, not mine. The lesser of two evils. I've I've heard those, I've heard that expression many times. The lesser right. of two evils. And, so and it doesn't have to be binary. It could be lesser of three, lesser of five, lesser of twenty, lesser of a hundred evils. Well, yeah, it, it, yeah, it doesn't have to be binary. It's binary in our current environment, but it, I, 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 I wouldn't, I wouldn't advocate, I wouldn't advocate for evil, and I wouldn't advocate that evil be brought upon myself or my neighbors. Uh, but you know, if I was to vote, um, I would write my own name in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, who, who, because who do I want to have sovereignty over me? Myself. Me. Yeah, uh, that is that is true enlightenment. <laughs> Are you sure you're not an ANCAP? I know you say that you're a minarchist, but I, it, it, well, uh, well, I, I, I mean, I, I, that's not. I don't think that's what we wanted to talk about no, today. I, but I, I was. That was I, I know. That was, but, that was a joke. I, I know. I know. But for me, um, I tr- I do believe in the sovereignty of self, um. Because who has a greater claim over your life, property, the fruits of your labor, your home, or your children than you do? Right. It's a simple question. Um, And if you say that another man has a greater claim or another group of men have a greater claim, please justify it. Please, Please articulate why a human being born of a woman would have a greater claim of you over you or, or or anything that you do or the fruits of your labor, your children, your home. Or that of your neighbor. Why does right. somebody have a claim over your neighbor either? Uh, yes, I uh, fully agree. Please articulate why. Not, 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 not just say, oh, well, the state exists, therefore. Articulate why that's acceptable. Why is it that, let's say in this country, in a country uh, of 330 million people, why are we idly allowing um, a group of people that number in less than 5 million tell the other 325 million of us what to do? Right. Why would we do that? Why, what grants these people the power to do that? I mean, aside from our, our willful, our, 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 I would say willful consent, although it, it's a combination of duress, uh, indoctrination, propaganda, and ignorance. Um, but I, <laughs> it's, it's funny. Right. No, I, I, I get what you're, I get what you're saying. And, um, so I said earlier that I have not yet voted and I likely will not. Meaning that there is for me a reason that I seem, I see logically as to participating in the process. Um, should I not vote in this election, it will be the first election that I have not participated in. Um, I've been active in uh, the political process since I was of legal age to, to be part of the political process. Um, and so here's, here's this line of thought uh, that I see as valid, even though um, me being an ANCAP, there is, there is no ideal candidate to run my life in any way, except for me. Um, And we definitely see eye to eye on that. You and I do. Um, However, I don't, I don't view an ANCAP society coming out of a, you know, electing a, even, even if the 
president and vice president were elected that were libertarians, and all uh, 535 uh, seats in Congress were held by libertarians. I don't see an ANCAP society coming out of that. Uh, I I think that an ANCAP society, if it is to if it is to come to be, will be due to some global apocalypse, global collapse, something like that. Um, and where, uh, you, you, what was it that you, you said, uh, you called it the Great Reset? Yes, as the World Economic Forum likes to call it, the Great right. Reset. So that would be, if an ANCAP society, a truly ANCAP society were to exist, that's how it would come to be. So since that isn't happening yet, well, I mean, it's, it's in motion, it just has not happened yet. Um, I don't have a choice for a an individual. I mean, there is no choice but for me to write in myself, right? There are, are some logical uh, reasons as to why I would vote, though, for me. Um, and if I am to vote, I would vote for Joe, Joe Jorgensen. Not because I don't no, or don't believe that she's a statist. I do believe she's a statist. She is a statist. She's a she describes herself more as a, a, a constitutionalist, which is statist, as we've already talked about in previous episodes. But if there is to be somebody to uh, to hold that seat, if it has the ability to remove how invasive the state is in my life. That is definitely a win. Also, uh, just even though I don't like the way that the duopoly is set up, helping her achieve that 5% threshold to qualify the Libertarian Party for federal funding, which would help break up the duopoly, I think that's that could serve to be uh, a benefit if we are to live in our current statist society. So there are a couple of reasons as to why I would vote, and if somebody does want to vote, that I would encourage, I would absolutely encourage them to do so, if for nothing else, for those reasons. I don't view Joe Jorgensen as evil. I don't view somebody as evil just because they're a statist, but I do view somebody as evil who would absolutely use the state to invoke violence on somebody in order to coerce them into compliance. I don't think Joe Jorgensen would do that. Um, in the overwhelming number of scenarios that could be presented to her. Uh, I could be wrong. I don't think I will ever know because I don't think that she will win this election. Uh, but we shouldn't vote based off of who we think will win. I that That's another thing that just drives me crazy. That's what I mean by stripping the, the shackles of servitude to the duopoly. Because it's like, oh, they're a Republican, so I'm going to vote Republican. Oh, oh, they're a Democrat, so I'm going to vote for a Democrat. Like, okay. Donald Trump spent the first, what, 70 years of his life as a Democrat donating to Hillary Clinton's 2008 presidential bid or, or yeah. Anyway, that's kind of, that's kind of my tangent. Do you, do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I, I will say that, uh, I, I fully, I, I fully, uh, acknowledge and can see the perspective of, of the individual who participates in the process, like as you described, um, as a means to advocate for improvement. I, I certainly couldn't criticize such a person for, for saying, hey, 
I understand this isn't perfect, but I'm trying to move it in a more positive direction. I, you know, I don't, I don't think that you can bring criticism to that um, overall. So a person that held that perspective, as, as you just advocated for saying, hey, the, the, process, is, the process as it exists is, well, we'll, we'll say flawed to, to say it gently. <laughs> for say lack it, of a better word. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, gently. But what I'm advocating for and what I'm potentially saying I would support and encourage others to support is not that we're going to fix the system tomorrow, um, but that we could possibly move the needle ever so slightly in a more positive direction. And, 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 and objectively speaking, an improvement is an improvement. And, and so I, 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 don't, I don't think it's fair to be critical of, of, of you or anyone who would feel that way about um, making an improvement. The, the, again, I think it goes back to my issue is that the, 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 the duopoly has created such a disgusting, um, it's such a disgusting indoctrination of the people that everybody on this side think, well, let me be fair. Everybody is too strong of words. There's a percentage of people on X team that actually believe that simply supporting Y team makes them evil. Um, right. And that their team is great. And it's like both of the teams are horrible. Yeah. And there's a long, long list of, of ethical violations, violations of the constitution. Um, e- Tyranny being forced on the people in in various forms. I mean, and 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 when we just pretend that it didn't happen, that that's the part that 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 disturbs me. I, I was like, wow, you you are really drunk on the state's elixir, right? <laughs> they have really convinced you that. It's acceptable for possibly hundreds of thousands of children to die as a result of economic sanctions to advance our interest in the region. Yeah. I mean, because they're conceding uh, that that may have happened, but you're like, well, we have to protect our interests. So for those for those who um, might not know what John's talking about, we we talked about this on an episode that ultimately didn't air. We're, we're saving it for uh, bonus content for our, for our patrons. Uh, but to kind of just kind of highlight what he's talking about is when uh, the UN ambassador uh, Madeleine Albright was asked in the 90s by 60 Minutes as to if economic sanctions that have resulted in upwards of 500,000 Iraqi children dying directly as a result of the sanctions the United States placed, she asked Madeleine Albright if it was worth it and... Uh, without hesitation, she said, uh, I think the price is worth it. Yeah, I do. Um, and that, and, you know, you can find that clip on YouTube. Uh, just just put it in there. You will find, you will find it. And surprisingly enough, I, I would not have expected this. Madeleine Albright does not like that clip because she thinks that it makes her look bad. And it's she didn't say that it was out of context, but she is not a fan. She thought it was a gotcha question. It it isn't a gotcha question, uh, and and also uh, just for the sake, she she actually became the first female Secretary of State. Um, so 
Hillary Clinton talking about crashing glass ceilings. Anyway, yeah. um, so it's not a gotcha question. I'm asking you, do you think it's acceptable for the U.S. government to gauge, engage in economic terrorism against a government, whom the U.S. government propped up and supported, that resulted yeah. in the deaths of hundreds, of, that may have resulted in the deaths of hundreds of thousands of children? Let's actually say that it's a complete exaggeration and that only resulted in the deaths of 50,000 children. Is it worth it? <laughs> Is it worth it? I was like... <laughs> Well, even if we say the number was exaggerated tenfold, I would still say the deaths of 50,000 children is deplorable. Yeah. But I, so to to your point, I want to I don't I don't want to spend too much time on this because Yeah, of course. Yeah. You know, uh but I I will say uh to your point about the kind of tribalist like the instinctual like primal tribalism that people mm-hmm. seem to have. I mean, you, you same people that were rightfully criticizing Barack Obama for many of his policies are now like borderline dangerously supporting Donald Trump who has enacted the same if not worse policies than his predecessor did. And so as a result, you mean you got or as an example, all of the conservatives out there were absolutely opposed to anything gun control related, myself included. I'm not a conservative, but I I do not support gun control being the and cap that I am. Well, you mean people control. <laughs> right. Uh all of all gun control, however, uh is legitimately rooted in uh racism because the first gun control laws were to prevent uh Native Indians, Native Americans from possessing firearms, and then it went into slavery and all that fun stuff. But anyway, so uh, you have these people that were like, "No, I, I if if he enacts gun control, that 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 is violation of the Second Amendment, and um, and we're gonna we're gonna stand up against him, and and it's gonna be a civil war, it's gonna be awful, and rob rob rob, come and take it." And then Donald Trump gets elected actually enacts gun control because Obama never did. He signed the Fix Nix bill into uh, law in 2017 which incentivizes it bribes states to dump records into the National Instant Criminal Background Check System, the Nix system uh, regardless of their accuracy just to dump them in there. The more records they dump in, the more money the more federal dollars they get. Um he unilaterally banned bump stocks by having the ATF change with with no con- absolutely zero congressional uh not, not even approval just insight it didn't even go to a committee it wasn't a bill filed nothing the ATF changed the definition of what constitutes a quote machine gun to include bump stocks therefore making anybody who possessed them a felon because you cannot legally possess a a select fire weapon if it was manufactured prior or after May 19th, 1986 under current federal law. Um, I think there was one more that he did. Uh, I know that he said st- stated a lot of things, but it's irrelevant. So he does all of this. And those same conservatives that were opposing Obama's gun control are now just like, well, you know, it, it, at the time it was either, well, it's, it's 4D underwater blindfolded chess. That he, he's going to have the courts overturn it. And then whenever they didn't, they're just like, 
Well, you know, we had to give them something to shut them up. Like, there was this justification there. And it's 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 mind-blowing. It's baffling because you should be intellectually honest enough to be able to criticize um, the, the person that you claim to support if he does something that is absolutely, objectively against what you claim to believe in, you know, philosophically. But to your your point that you've made numerous times, this is a religion. This is, you know, this is as if God is doing it, therefore it must be, you know, blessed. <laughs> it 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 is the most bizarre thing. It, it, it absolutely, I, I would say that you couldn't understand it, but you can understand it. it it's just so horrifying to see. Yeah, and you know what's really just this. This is what's really depressing about this whole thing is whenever their team is not in power, you, the conversations that they have are very insightful, criticizing valid criticisms, philosophically based. Some some of them criticisms of what the opponent who currently holds the office is doing. And then whenever the roles switch, they're like, oh, no, it's fine. It's cool. Um, but another thing to your point, Kamala Harris's uh, campaign bus was leaving, I, I believe it was Austin. And a load of trucks, all flying Trump flags, American flags, thin blue line flags, literally ran the, the campaign bus off the freeway. Now, thankfully, nobody was hurt. But it's like, I mean, even, I mean, at best, this is ethically, and this is ethically wrong. You are endangering, you are putting people in undue fear for their life. Because why? Because you have political differences with them? Trump tweeted a video of this happening Simply saying, I love Texas. It blows my mind. And in case y'all don't know, um, and I know that some people out there feel that people need to qualify themselves. And as asinine as I believe it to be that I have to say this, I will say it for, I will say it. I was born, raised, and currently reside in the state of Texas. So... If if you need a qualifier, there it is. Me criticizing Donald Trump's supposed love for Texas because of them uh, of Texans endangering his political opponent, even if they meant no actual harm. I mean, that's got to be that's psychologically tormenting at the at least, you know. And and not even no condemnation. Just, I love Texas. It That was, I thought that Donald Trump could not say anything else to surprise me. And then I saw that. Well, at this point, I, I, I don't think he can say anything that, that su- would surprise me. Donald Trump uh, strikes me as the kind of individual that could literally shoot a man in the streets on film. And uh, his supporters continue to support him. Actually, I actually think he said, oh, no, yeah. Uh, If I recall, um, it's, uh, 
that 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 it's it's great to be loved to that extent. I will say that I, if I was Donald Trump, I certainly would appreciate the love and adulation from my um, worshipers. From my worshipers, um, yeah, I, I certainly would appreciate that. Um, but I mean, to address that specific situation, uh, let, let's let, let's kind of attack the situation. Um, I'm going to assume that they accidentally ran the the bus off. <laughs> The road. I mean, the, 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 I, I know. the, video, the video that Trump posted doesn't do the whole thing justice. I, I saw some other dash cam videos of, of it, and it it's intentional. But anyway, we'll, no, we'll no, go no, with no. your assumption. Yeah, no, no, no. I, 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 I believe quite strongly it was intentional, but let's assume it was uh, accidental. I, I, I would say that when you, when you, to behave like that in a, in a mass public, uh, a mass transit location, you you really are endangering other drivers on the road, not just the um, occupants of the uh, um, of the tour bus, but um, what if what 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 would have happened if the tour bus had struck another vehicle or or, or ran or or or, or lost control? Uh, the the effects that could have had on everyone else on the road, including those that were surrounding the tour, the yeah, tour bus. Yeah, I mean, uh, they they, they um, were all so very close. All it would have taken is. A single error on any of the drivers, even including the bus driver, to cause a detrimental accident for everyone there. Right. So I, I would consider that the very irresponsible behavior. So I, I couldn't imagine as uh, myself uh, supporting that type of behavior. I, 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 I could see how Trump might. Uh, again, you know, when when my worshippers are uh, are um, are. Uh, leaving offerings uh, to my to myself as the great god being that I am I I have to praise them I I mean <laughs> yeah I mean it's a like, good job worshipers my worshipers down there in Texas uh, could have caused a multi-car pile up and possibly injured or killed several people but hey it's all good yeah I mean any uh, this is this is truly disturbing for me um, especially because all of the Trump supporters that I've seen are playing this off like, oh, we were just escorting her out of town. Oh, get out of here with that. That is, who are you trying to fool? Why are you trying to play this off like, like it's some joke? I mean, the, the people that were on the bus might be politically opposed to your philosophies and you theirs. But, I mean, are, are you going to do this to all of your political opponents? Treat them like this to where they are in fear for their own life? Because that's what you did. And that's not acceptable. It, you know, I mean, uh, I would say that that it's criminal under our current laws. Um, and I would also venture to say that even under the laws of nature... You doing that to somebody would absolutely justify them using defensive force against you because you are putting them in fear for their life. That's that is not a that is not acceptable. That is that is you know, and I don't get into morals here a lot. It's morally reprehensible. It is ethically disgusting, and it it, it should be condemned. It should not be celebrated. And anybody that should that is you know justifying it as oh we just escorted her out of town. Get out of here with that. Just don't even try. Actually, I, I actually I have I have a question. So I, I have seen the footage. Um, however, I I'm actually curious 
was Miss Harris or um, Joe Biden actually present on the vehicle? I don't know. Have we been able to confirm that? Uh, I'm sure they have somewhere, one way or the other. I don't know. I haven't looked. Because to me, it doesn't matter. Um, even just the driver, even if it was just the driver, you know, that's, that doesn't make it somehow more acceptable oh, or more well, ethical. Oh, well, I, w- I wasn't creating right, a no, qualifier. I, <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> I wasn't saying, well, um, uh, I, I was, I was just, it was curious, it was curious, I was simply curious because we've created such a, a, a toxic environment that where we have um, maligned and attacked people to and, and divided people to such a to such an extent that you could almost believe that one one party, regardless of whom they're advocating for, whether they're supporters or uh, of of Donald Trump or supporters of Joe Biden, could act in this manner against um, the the opposing party. Because mm-hmm. we we have we have created we've we've created a situation where again not all but a a a percentage of the supporters of those those two groups um, view the other as uh, uh, objectively evil and and if that's something you truly believe then that that could manifest in your actions um, mm-hmm. if you follow what I'm saying. Um, I, Again, I'm not justifying it. <laughs> yeah, no. And and to answer your question, I just looked it up. USA Today reports that neither former former Vice President Joe Biden, Joe Biden, nor California Senator Kamala Harris were on the bus at the time. So yeah, I um, I speculated that they weren't present. Um, um, but you know, it's good to get some confirmation of that. So what we so the end result is that we may be endangered uh, uh, some staffers and a bus driver. Um, and yeah. I, I, I guess yeah. that's a good thing. And you, you, you can't politically spin this. I mean, this is just, you have video evidence of, of what happened. It's like, t- take ownership. I mean, come on. You're, I mean, conservatives are supposed to be the, you know, the, the morally and, uh, the morally superior, I guess, party. I, I don't know for, I don't, I don't know how to ad- adequately articulate it, but you know they're supposed to be the uh, the Judeo Christian based morally upheld type of political party. They should add, 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 they should have condemned this all across the board. Well, maybe conservatives would, but uh, I I could see how uh, the president may have simply found it is flattering. Right. Um. So. Here's another thing. So we're, we talk a lot about, or we've been talking a lot about the president, um, and that's kind of where the focus is. But but in reality, it it really shouldn't be because even even the way things are today, uh, regardless of of what the founders intended and what it has since evolved into, uh, but even today, your municipal government has far more has a far more impact on your life uh, than your state government. And even more so than the federal government, um, which is and which is kind of baffling to me because everybody puts stock in the presidential elections as if the hierarchy goes that way, but it it really doesn't. Whenever you actually boil down to to who has or to to what state 
what government has more of an impact on your life and property. Um, it's definitely going to be your city council. Um, oh, definitely. The municipal and county are, are I, I would say, by and large, should be the primary focus. Yeah, absolutely, it should be. The, but for whatever reason, things have transformed to where everybody is under this. Uh, it's it's almost like they're pushing to make the federal government the 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 state. You know what I mean? Yeah. The the well, as you and I both know, the the uh, the, the 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 federal the federal entity um, has has been growing um, since the time of of Lincoln. Well, yeah. I mean, it's and, been it's truly it's been growing since it was birthed. Well, yes, but the the egregious the um, rate of growth uh, sure. has has has. I mean, uh, Lincoln started it off by you know forced conscriptions and the seizing of journalists. Yeah, I mean, nobody wa- nobody wants to talk about that. No, uh, no one wants to talk about that. Um, uh, and 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 and. The federal government has has grown in size and scope, and its abuses uh, in disregard of the Constitution has um, has uh, accelerated significantly during the twentieth century. But we really should be focusing more on um, strengthening our, our our local governments. Well, I guess that's a double edged sword, also, because they already have so so much such a great impact on on our lives as is. Um, I don't think that the word strengthening would be appropriate. Um, well, no. Focus wise. <laughs> yes, that should, yeah. that, that should be our focus. Uh, thank you for the correction. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I, I didn't I, want anybody to think that the Gentleman for Liberty podcast is advocating for stronger local governments. No. Because <laughs> <laughs> those, those are the people who actually abuse you statistically. Oh, I mean, yeah. you, you don't get assaulted by federal agents. It's typically municipal or county agents that are um, kicking your door in. Yeah, you, you know what's what's uh, 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 to that. I just wanted to throw this in here because I thought it I thought it was a, a great video. Um, my wife had sent me a TikTok. Uh, I think it was yesterday. Um, some protests going on, and I believe it was in Los Angeles. Um, and they were chanting, and the the camera is is panning around. They they were chanting, "I don't see no riots here. Why are you in riot gear?" And the cops were all in full riot gear, and it's just like and. I, I told my wife, I said, because the state has to assert its dominance over you, and what better way to do it than to dress up in the most intimidating costume, I'm sorry, regalia, that you could, you know? Um, I mean, that's that's just how they operate. Anyway, I, 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 I just wanted to throw that out there. I thought it was great. Oh, no, I'm, I mean, it's the perfect perfect ca- uh, um, visualization of, of the state using aggression to intimidate. Yeah, even passive aggression. I mean, the, there was no violence happening in the video, but it's definitely, it's like we're showed up here to protest and you're here as if you want to fight. Um, you know, that's kind of the whole reason they're protesting is because of the way that agents of the state act with individuals whenever they are either in custody or resisting kidnapping. But I digress on that. <laughs> resist uh, kidnapping why well, I, I don't understand what you mean uh, uh, they were being lawfully detained and arrested by the authorities yeah so were the Jews in, in Germany in 1941 but uh, <laughs> you know whatever um, so but 
to my point uh, about the focus on the federal government, uh, there's this, you know, the push for all things federal. And now, especially whenever it comes to the Supreme Court, this was an issue uh, in 2016 after Antonin Scalia passed away. Uh, and then now with Ruth, Ruth Bader Ginsburg's passing, uh, it's another hot button issue uh, as if it supposedly matters. It's like, okay, so what, what, what you're essentially what the narrative is, is that these nine black robed oligarchs who are unelected and appointed for life have more of a say over your life, your property, the fruits of your labor and that of your children and your neighbors than you do. But then so does the person who occupies the white house. And so does the 535 members of Congress. So, I mean, how many people do we need to control our lives? As many as the the state mechanism thinks is appropriate to, uh, at least in the context of the United States, give the illusion of of, uh, choice. Right. So here's the thing. I have a lot of respect for Thomas Jefferson. He certainly had his faults. Uh, but from a historical perspective, I have a lot of of admiration for him. Um, obviously, I'm not a supporter of the fact that he uh, was a slave owner. But I do think... Uh, anyway, I don't want to get into all that. But Jefferson said, uh, following the Marbury v. Madison ruling in 1803, which... The the Supreme Court granted themselves the power to rule whether or not a law or edict was constitutional or not. And this power is not laid out in the Constitution. It's not specific in the Constitution. Anybody who has read the Constitution knows that the Tenth Amendment, which had been ratified prior to this ruling, says that Anything that's not specifically delegated in the Constitution either belongs to the states or belongs to the people. Therefore, this judicial review power should have been been sent to the states or the people. Um, but Marbury, the Marbury case, they ruled that they have this authority and that uh, what had happened was unconstitutional. And, and Jefferson railed against it, uh, so much so that uh, I think it was in 1817, so like 14, 15 years after the case, the ruling came down, uh, he was still blasting it in letters. And one of my favorite quotes from him is that um, uh, is that to grant all constitutional questions, or, or to grant the Supreme Court as the arbiter of all constitutional questions, is a very dangerous doctrine indeed, and one that will lead us to the despotism of an oligarchy. That's very close to the actual quote. And I thought it's incredibly profound because that's exactly what you see. You have this essentially legislation from the bench. The Supreme Court was just supposed to rule on uh, civil or criminal matters, whether or not procedures were followed or this, that, and the other. They were supposed to be the last stop for appeals. They were not supposed to be this, this law is unconstitutional or this law stands. And what's interesting is... Murray Rothbard wrote a, a great uh, short book called Anatomy of the State, in which he talks about how the Supreme Court 
is the mechanism, the very mechanism, by which the state can grow with the support of the people beyond the limitations set by whatever constitution is supposed to confine them. I thought that was very profound and interesting. And so now where we find ourselves is actually caring about Supreme Court nominees who we don't elect. Shouldn't that be a red flag for us that statism is out of control? It would be if were it not for the blind worship of the state and all of its priests and uh, religious totems and organizations. <laughs> yeah. It it the because you you're right that the what what the Supreme Court has essentially uh, transformed into is a super legislature. Yeah. Uh, where where wherein the Supreme Court literally has been writing laws. Well, they changed uh, the definition of uh, or the funding mechanism for Obamacare. Uh, John Roberts had changed it from a fee to a tax in order to uphold it. They're they're a super legislature. Uh, they're they they're super. They're, they're literally somehow we have we have settled on the fact that we find a group of unelected judges. Um. We we find that it's acceptable acceptable for them to be the sole authority, um, for a variety of issues. Where, where our legislature does X and the Supreme Court says, nah, we're going to yeah. do Y. <laughs> we're literally going to do Y. I, I, I mean, the, 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 and, and, and the Supreme Court at, at, at various levels, state Supreme Courts do the exact same thing that the federal Supreme Court does. Oh, yeah, um, for sure. That where there'll be um, propositions, there'll be voters, the results will come in. And the legislative body will say, "Okay, that's what we're going to do," because that's what the voters of the of 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 our of our of our county or state have decided. And someone will challenge it; it'll go to the state supreme court, and the state supreme court will say, "Nah, you can't do that." It's like, when did you become a super legislator? Yeah, I mean, have there been? positive rulings to actually limit the scope of power that the state is trying to execute? Yes, for sure. They're few and far between, but they have. But the the whole idea that the Supreme Court, be it a state or the federal Supreme Court, and it's in the name, is supreme, it's... It's not a good notion. It's really not. I mean, uh, from the Marbury case came the entire idea of implied powers in the Constitution. And you can't imply something that isn't written. Well, the Tenth Amendment would make you think that, but uh, apparently there are things within the Constitution not defined by the Constitution, and we're just not enlightened enough to uh, perceive those things. Right, right. We have to go through uh, the initiation process to become a uh, Supreme Court justice in order to uh, be given that forbidden knowledge, right? Yes. Um, they, they have super literacy. Ah, yes, yes. Super literacy. And so, therefore, they can read things that we cannot read. 
or that aren't written at all. <laughs> <laughs> I love it whenever you have a Supreme Court nominee who uh, says, "Oh, I'm an I'm an I'm somebody who will interpret the Constitution as, you know, with original intent. Okay, well, um, does that mean that you're going to pick up the first uh, Second Amendment case that you can to strike down every single piece of federal gun control possible? To make it to where I can legally manufacture machine guns in my garage without the threat of the ATF coming to murder me for doing so? Oh, no? Huh. Then I don't want to hear that sort of thing because the 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 Constitution may be a status document, but the Second Amendment is like the what most well written, concise, short, and simple um, clause in the entire document. It's exceedingly simple, um, and it, and it, and, it, and it's and it and the intent is conveyed very 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 completely. I, I, I'm only gonna. Um, phrase the the second portion because well you know what let's let's do the full quote okay. let's do the full quote um a well regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed so um let's go over let, let's actually focus on the 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 key element the right of the people the people yeah. own the right. It is not a state right. It is not a. It's not a federal right. The right belongs to the people. I mean, just grammatically speaking, what is the subject of the entire sentence? The people are the 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 subject. Yes, and their right to keep and bear, which all that means is own, possess, and and bear, carry a burden, a load to carry. Yes. That that's all it means. And and that and that no infringement should be made against it, because the gov the because I, ironically, um, contrary to what many Second Amendment advocates or purported advocates like to say, the Second Amendment gives me, it doesn't give yep. you anything. The Second Amendment actually in itself proposes the idea that you naturally possess the the right to keep and bear because it's a right of the people. And that yeah. we, as the government authority, will take won't take any action to interfere with the natural right that you already have, right? And opponents to the to, to the Second Amendment like to point out the the first half of it, and it's like that's not that is what's called a justification clause. It merely is there to explain why the actual rest of it is is it exists. You could have put anything there. You mm -hmm. could have put. Uh, uh, a well-armed person being necessary for the defense of his life and property. Uh, and it, it would still it would still work. It's just a justification. They're illustrating the most significant justification that the security of a free people is what is. I think they. I wish they would have uh, put instead of a free state. Uh, but the whole purpose behind it was to ensure that the government cannot become tyrannical. That's just a justification. You didn't even need to include it if you didn't want to. No, and and, and in fact, what, what's funny when we when we try to focus, let, let's give a real quick, let's give a little focus to the Second Amendment. When we try to when we when when um, modern revisionists try to reinterpret the Second Amendment, the irony of it is is that it 
it, it was written about extensively in the writings of the founders. It was meant, it was it was it was discussed in the Federalist Papers. It, yeah, Federalist forty six. It's it's yep. very it's very very clearly defined that the primary function of the second the uh, the primary function of the Second Amendment is threefold. First, um, in a state of nature, uh, a man a uh, man woman or child would take up arms to defend themselves from harm or injury of another party, whether uh, um, which is rational. They would defend their life and property. Period. If there was no government, you would take up arms to defend yourself. Whatever the arms of the day would be, whether it would be swords or bow and arrow or whether it would be a firearm, whatever the arms of the period would be, you would take up arms to defend your life and property. Secondly, the additional justifications centered around that America um, was a, um, you know, a fledgling nation. And there was concerns of um, potential threats from the European powers, which were still quite prominent at the time. And there weren't any large standing militaries or you know, million man police forces with military equipment driving around as they are today. So it was very important that the, that the people be able to defend their homes because, well, we're not going to. <laughs> um, and, and thirdly, there was always the, 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 the less likely, but still um, important um, element that perhaps the state would be tyrannical. Um, the state itself, the, 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 the state that the people reside in would be tyrannical towards them. And the founders knew this from their own experiences studying um, European history of, of the disarmed populace being um, put down by, you know, the nobles and the dukes and the, uh, the oligarchs and the aristocracies. So this, the people need to be prepared to defend themselves against these, um, these um, potentially nefarious tyrannical forces that may rise after you know, after we as the founders die, we we do believe it's possible that a tyrannical force may arise in the government, and the people need to be able to take action against that government um, if they see fit. So, when you when you when you when you when you realize that the the totality of that, and you say, okay, a well regulated militia, okay, well, it's actually the irony of we can go back and look up what these meant. Regulated just meant prepared. Um, Militia. What is a militia? Okay, well, let's go back and look up what a militia was at the time. A militia were free citizens, non-soldiers, non-government agents that were that could be called uh, to, of their own voluntary will to come help the government agents to to defend uh, or fight for that town or city or state. So. When those people would come, they would bring their own weapons. Since, the, the since they don't work for the government, the right. government's not going to give them to them. The right. So they would bring <laughs> their own weapons. So a well-regulated, prepared militia, free citizens that can help the government fight off foreign enemies, as the militia did during the Revolutionary War. Yes. Yeah. So... um a well-regulated militia being necessary to the security of a free state. Well, in order to keep the state free, we need these people. We may need these people to help us fight off foreign enemies, which they did during the revolution. Um, the and right of the people. To, and may need to fight off domestic enemies. But, you know, so it's it's a really funny, it's a really funny episode when we, we make an effort to redefine it. Because, you know, modern people say, well, uh, uh, that's the police. No, the police would be agents of the state, so they wouldn't be the free people coming to help. 
So a lot of them also talk about the National Guard because mainly because of the uh, um, that is legally from the federal level uh, defined as the militia. You have the active militia, which is the National Guard, which is a reserve component of the active duty military, and then you have the unorganized militia, which is everyone else per the right. Dick Act. Well, well, here's the key: when they are when they are activated, they're federal troops. Yes. Absolutely. When when the when they're act when when they're activated, when their unit is activated, they are they 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 are they are no longer citizens. They they are they serve in their official capacity with their official ranks and titles. So yeah. that is not a militia. So sorry. <laughs> I, I, it, it it's it's the like willful the the the, the purposeful will willful um misinterpretation could could only be seen as sinister in its intent because it, it's so clear that it, it it boggles the mind that you could get any other interpretation of it outside of what it was intended particularly when this wasn't this wasn't two thousand years ago i can actually read the intent of the authors yeah um of course the supreme court uh, has ruled against the Second Amendment numerous times. Of course, they have. Uh, and the legislature, they're both right. the Constitution. And what's what's really ironic about that is one of the most recent pieces of one of the most recent rulings on the Second Amendment that Second Amendment advocates champion is the Heller decision. If you've ever read the Heller decision, that is not a win for gun rights advocates. In Scalia's opinion. He wrote this in his opinion, referring to a a case from 1938, I believe, called uh, United States v. Miller. In that case, that was the first challenge to the National Firearms Act. And the Supreme Court ruled in in Miller that, and it was specific to sawed-off shotguns, the Supreme Court ruled in Miller that sawed-off shotguns are not a quote-unquote militia weapon because it's not something that's Red, that's actively used by the military, even though it actually was at the time. It's called a trench shotgun. You should take a look at it. But all that aside, that was the ruling that came down. Scalia quote, uh, brought up the Miller decision and said, you cannot read the Miller decision the way that it was written because that would make the government's ban on full-auto weapons unconstitutional. He wrote that, and he also said that the Second Amendment, quote, conferred the right to bear arms, which means granted or is the um, is the the thing that gives us the right. It's not natural. It comes from the Constitution. So it's like those are the two biggest red flags that you can ever pull from the Heller decision. That should be absolutely tossed out by anyone that calls themselves a gun advocate. But what do I know? I'm just a lowly peasant. I'm not a legal scholar. Yeah, you're you're not you're not uh, literate, and you can't read the words uh, written down. Uh, on how did, <laughs> how did how did Obama put it? The paper, uh, the word the words on the paper. I was like, oh, isn't that great? The president of the United States um, speaking of the U.S. Constitution in such dismissive terms. But uh, well, I mean, and Trump did it too. He's like, oh, I think all the all the articles are great. One, two, twelve, seventeen. Um. There aren't that many articles in the Constitution there, bro. Well, he's never read the Constitution, so um 
but when when you're when you're a, a god king, uh, the he, he the vision of the constitution just comes to him, and he sees it in his mind. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyway, I think I think I think we could stop here for the day. What do you 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 okay with that? Yeah, that's fine. Um, <laughs> uh, do not support your super legislature. <laughs> 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 since you didn't since you didn't vote for or elect them hmm, what do you think about that what do you think about a group of people that you didn't vote for or elect having the ability to override the decisions of your president and your and your uh, and your appointed legislature of course this is still a better a, a less powerful entity than than that which we talked about last week because all of their members are appointed by the president, approved by the Senate, and then you have the banks that uh, appoint uh, appoint representatives to represent the banks and then appoint representatives to represent the people by magic. And that operates the Federal Reserve, which controls the entire globally-backed currency, <laughs> the most powerful <laughs> currency in the world. Yeah. Uh, even the Supreme Court doesn't have the power. That, that's the irony. <laughs> so that I, I actually, I'm glad you brought that up. This, this is, I guess, this is a good way to end the, the end the talk today. I'm glad you brought that up because while you were talking and we were talking about the super legislature that is the Supreme Court, I almost laughed and said, "Even the super legislature doesn't have the power to review the Federal Reserve." I was like, I was <sighs> like, but you people like to talk about you, you people like to be concerned about your senator when literally, even the super legislature. That, that our government yields to and allows to write laws for us doesn't review the Federal Reserve. Or as Alan Greenspan um, said, no other, no government agency could overrule decisions made by the Federal Reserve. Oh, God. That's, that's, a, great, that's a great segue. The, or as the, I said in our last show, the most powerful known organization in the world with the exclusive ability with the exclusive ability to compel the United States to print to print our currency. They also have zero constitutional limitations because they are not brought up in the Constitution. And, nope. you know, they're not a government entity anyway, so. Well, yeah, it's a, it's a private <laughs> But <bank>. anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but we shall call it federal. Federal. Yes, Reserve. yes, yes. They're as federal as Federal Express. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> okay. All right. That's gonna do it for us. This was a, this was a great show. I'm I'm glad this one. Uh, I'm, I'm glad we had this talk, John. I will encourage you uh, to vote if if voting is something that you uh, want to participate in. Uh, but I would also encourage you to uh, vote for somebody who actually earns it. Don't don't just give it away to the duopoly because uh, they're they're kind of close to my team. That's ridiculous. But ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. If you would, with me and John, please raise your glasses. If you do not have anything, just pantomime along with us, and we raise our glasses, and we toast. For Liberty. For Liberty. You've been listening to the Gentleman for Liberty podcast. Join us at patreon.com slash gentlemanforliberty to show your support. Patrons get access to bonus content, can suggest show topics, and more. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Gentlemen for Liberty and on Twitter at Gents the number four Liberty. 
Be sure to check out our blog, gentlemanforliberty.com, and sign up with your email address for updates. Please rate our podcast in your app, and until next time, we raise our glasses to you for liberty. This has been a Gentleman for Liberty production, hosted by Derek Wills and John Galt. Copyright Gentlemen for Liberty 2020.